And welcome back to Fully Equipped. Jonathan Wall and Gene Parenti. It is just the two amigos. <laughs> what could go wrong, as I always say. Crazy Uncle Gene, how we doing? Doing well. You know, the pirate ship's a little difficult to steer when there's only um, two of us. So it should be it could be a little erratic today, but we'll we'll see how it goes. To be clear, this has always been a rudderless ship. <laughs> So nothing has changed. We'll be all over the place, even without RB here to kind of keep us on the rails. I know that's my job, but I, I do a, a terrible job at it at times. Yeah, well, I mean, you're dealing with a bunch of ADHD-driven, uh, you know, golf nerds that just go, These are my people. something shiny to go chase it. So, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, well, RB is at Hilton Head. He's been there for the last couple of days gathering gear intel if you want to check out his stuff he is at rds Brath on instagram he's been posting some pictures one of a new taylor or sorry a new callaway driver uh the new taylor made burner mini driver that we talked about last week that one is now out at rbc heritage so there there is some new gear this week it's a big event now it's one of the whatever you want to call it, the designated events or the elevated events on the PGA Tour. So all the, all the big names are there, including a guy who showed up with a green jacket, Mr. John Rom. Gene, I, I know you don't watch a lot of golf, but did you get a chance to catch any of the Masters last week? I did. I did. And, you know, I think we should touch on, it's kind of interesting because we were talking about this prior to going on the air. Um CBS did record, um, had record viewership. Golf.com had record viewership. And we had everybody, a huge week on the website. Everybody yeah. was obsessed with the Masters. And it, it's really interesting because the tournament was a bit of a train wreck with the weather and delays, et cetera. And to be honest, I turned it off on hole 14 because I knew Rom had it in the bag. I mean, it just, he, he, the guy doesn't flinch and you knew he was, go he was going to win, but I, I, I like the zeitgeist of uh, the golfing public and those that are interested because we've been predicting in the industry that there's gotta be a letdown at some point because COVID just put this industry on steroids and events like this, and, you know, our co-host Chris McCormack was talking about everything's booked out at TrueSpec right now. People are He's still, still in Boston. Upset. He's booked every single day. That's why he hasn't been on the pod. He has no time. I know. I know because he's just slammed. But all of these predictions that we're going to have a slowdown just don't seem to be coming. And golf has never ever been in a better space that I've seen in my 34 years in the industry. And I'm even talking about the run-up when all the companies were going public and Callaway was coming out with the Big Bertha. It still was a small industry. This is a big, mature industry, but people still just have a thirst for all things golf. And I think it's absolutely great. Obviously, there's some job security in there as well. But, you know, it's, it's just good to see that even – now, you know, as far as the Masters is concerned, you have to ask the question, was the intrigue of the live golfers, the fact that Brooks was 100%. leading, you know, on yeah. Saturday, like how did that factor in just from a drama standpoint? But the fact that people are tuning in, the fact that people are still playing, I, I think it all, are, everything has positive trend lines in, in, in the right direction. Yeah, I I don't want to talk too much about live because this is an equipment podcast, but I would, I would say 100% it had something to do with the drama and intrigue on Sunday, having John Rahm, who's one of the top players on the PGA tour against Brooks Kepka, who's one of the top guys on the live tour. I mean, that, that is exactly what, I mean, if you're the masters, that's what you want. You want that drama. And I think the one question that I had going in was, was how in form would the live guys be? Because they just don't play a lot of competitive golf. I know some people are going to say that's a little bit of a slap in the face to live, but I, I still, until somebody can convince me otherwise, I feel like it's 54 holes of a hit and giggle. I mean, these guys have all been paid up front and you know, it, it, what's the motivation to play well? And I think that's why we had, we haven't seen the big names play well on the live tour. And then lo and behold, 
if you look at the leaderboard on on Sunday, you not only had Brooks Kepka right there near the top, but you also had Phil Mickelson, who shoots an unbelievable seven under sixty five on Sunday. I think everybody just said that was a weird one too. I don't know if you know Sajin, but when Phil was just filling up that scorecard with circles, he was getting. I mean, applause that you would get for a guy that you didn't know. It was that really polite clapping. It's like people just don't know how to to embrace. Do they embrace Phil? Do they do they not? The whole thing with with the Saudis and his comments, and it just it just felt very awkward until until that birdie on eighteen. The whole day for him, you would have thought that they would have been just pushing him along to try and get him as low as he could go. But yeah, it was a weird one for Phil. And then you also had Patrick Reed inside the top four. So I don't mean the live guys did pretty good considering that they haven't played any PGA tour events in a while and they haven't gotten a lot of those competitive juices flowing. So um, I don't know if that makes any of the guys on the PGA tour go, Hmm, I can get guaranteed money and I can play good golf. Um, you know, it, I don't know, but, it, but it was a really good showing for those live players, even though, uh, John Rom came out on top. Um, speaking of John Rom, what about his driver, Gene? This is an interesting story. You and I were talking about this one before we came on the pod. So if you missed the story that I wrote on golf.com, John Rom mentioned in his, one of his press conferences early in the week that he had changed into a, a new Callaway paradigm triple diamond driver. And he said, I changed one or two other times after Riviera because it wasn't the right one and finally found what I'm comfortable with. Well, for a gear guy, that sends me down a rabbit hole. So I start making phone calls to figure out, well, what's different? Because it looks like ROM. I shot his driver at Torrey Pines. Looks like the same 10 and a half degree paradigm triple diamond come out to find that it's not, that he was trying to find a driver that had a little bit more spin and it all started around waste management, which is, is an interesting event because he was struggling with spin, but I know, and we've, we've discussed this before, because you're playing at, at a higher elevation, it's thinner air. And so you, you're typically going to struggle with spin that week anyway. But Rom started to notice that he was really struggling to keep consistent spin rates. And, you know, for, for the average PGA Tour Pro, you know, three, 400 RPMs of spin is, is probably normal as a delta, but this is a guy who has led the PGA Tour and strokes gained off the tee the last couple of seasons. He is, in my opinion, the best driver of the golf ball on the PGA Tour, one of the best to ever do it. I mean, he is so consistent. I, I go back to a story that Jacob Davidson, Jacob told this story about being at a practice session where Rom was hitting drivers and he hit 10 consecutive drives, Gene, where the spit, the difference in spin between shot to shot was 100 RPMs. Yeah, I, you know, you, you touched on a couple really interesting things there. One, um, I bet you, I can tell you why he probably got concerned at the waste management, and that's because he lives in Scottsdale, so he knows. That's a good point. He knows he that's his home track, not that course, but he knows he knows that elevation. He knows what his driver does there. And so if it was not operating there, that's where he lives the majority of the time, plays and practices. So he was probably seeing something um that that was concerning to him. What's fascinating, and you wrote about in the article, normally to get a fade, especially kind of his power fade at his ball speed. You normally get up somewhere between 27 and 3,000, and that gives you that nice little lift. He's getting that at 2,500. Those are like great balls, um, spin characteristics for someone hitting a straight shot, much less a power fade. So he has the ability to just tweak that slightly 
But what's interesting about it is at 2,500, he's not really robbing himself of that much distance when when he does that. Now, in relation to the triple diamond, went back and looked at the data, and it's a really interesting club in that when you miss that ball on the toe, it stays to the right. When you miss the ball on the heel, it stays to the left. So it allows for workability. It doesn't have, say, a bias to the left or a bias to the right. It's It's got kind of a neutral approach. And what was fascinating, and they were talking about it on the broadcast, was the way he hits a draw, he doesn't move his feet. He doesn't necessarily move it. He just moves his club position about three or four inches back and takes the same swing. And then all of a sudden has that club face closed a little bit that creates that draw as opposed to the face. And his ability to do that under pressure and to shape shots, everybody talks about uh, pros now, they just hit it straight and they hit it long. Well, Rom's an artist. I mean, he's an app, but he's a he's a power artist. He still hits the ball a mile, but he has the ability to shape it based on um, whatever hole he's looking at and whatever ball flight his eye wants to see. And that's why he's number one in the world. It's really awesome to see him take the driver, control the driver, and direct the driver in ways that most players can't do. Most players just have one swing. They might have a slightly different, you know, 1A we'll call it. He's got, you know, an A and a Z swing on opposite sides and has the ability to execute both. And it was really impressive to watch that and watch it under pressure. And you could see, you know, his counterpart, Brooks, is one of the best players in the world, he really couldn't do that. You know, he, he did not he have the go-to. No, he did not have the go-to. And you could see he was struggling with the driver, especially, um, you know, on the final 18 that was played. But it was just interesting, the comparison between the two players and seeing, you know, because as you put the driver in play, like you said, from a strokes game perspective, that's that's where he makes his money. And he does a really good job at it. Yeah, all really good points right there. One of the most interesting bits of insight that Kellen Watson, who I spoke to at Callaway, he told me that Rom's not sensitive about face angle, which is very interesting for me because most pros, if you think about it, if if that driver doesn't set up to their eye, it's, it's a no-go. They won't even hit a ball with it. But for Rom... And this is this is a guy like I mentioned who's hitting ten consecutive balls where the the spin delta is one hundred RPMs for ten consecutive golf balls. He he's not sensitive to face angle. That just really, again, being being the nerdy gear guy, that really blew me away. I would have thought for sure that he would want everything dialed to the nines, especially if he's noticing a slight drop in spin rate that's starting to concern him. And he was launching that ten and a half degree set in the it's it's called the NS for the for those that don't know Callaway's OptiFit setting. NS is the neutral face angle stated loft, meaning neutral face angle, 10 and a half degrees, no, no difference, no difference in the stated loft there. Um, so that was what his original one, and he was launching that at nine and a half degrees, spinning it a little bit below 2,500 RPMs. And then when he went to his final setup, the one that he started using at the players' championship it was moving it from the NS to the N plus one. So that was an additional degree of loft. So now going to, a, to an 11 and a half degree driver. And that's where he noticed that increase of about 200 to 250 RPMs of spin that helped with, with that go-to cut shot shape that he likes to use all the time. But yeah, just the fact that he doesn't, he's not sensitive to face angle, but but a lot of the other variables that he's seeing on a launch monitor, that's what really tends to to bother him if he doesn't see those numbers in in the right areas. Well, and these can, you know, the, the golf swing is about repetition and repetition is about consistency and consistency is about visual identification and face angle is one of the key factors in visual identification and the fact that he doesn't care about it. And, you know, s- some of these guys are so particular, like you said, about face angle that's really surprising but he's obviously his eye is more towards effect not necessarily cause or setup and that 
that makes him even more intriguing because most of these guys have to repeat everything. And one of the main things in setup is trusting that base angle and, and having a base angle that they like and feel comfortable with. So yeah, that, that is a very interesting point. So in addition to Rom's driver, there was another piece of gear that he relied on for his win at Augusta. And that would be his golf pride, new decade, multi-compound grips. As always, I want to let you know that Fully Equipped is brought to you by Golf Pride and their wide array of grips, including ROM's MCC, multi-compound that I just mentioned. Here's a gear trivia question for you, Gene. The oldest piece of gear in ROM's bag. Now, for those that, that are real gear nerds that know his stuff, they would tell you it's the Aldo Latour green shaft that's in his Paradigm Triple Diamond driver been there since since college that would be incorrect <laughs> if that would be your guess it is actually the bolty compound grips golf pride told me that rom has been using those grips the red and black version for going back to college when he was at arizona state it is it's it's the longest standing piece of gear in his bag and it's an interesting one too i mean the the multi-compound has been around for a little bit Rory McIlroy was one of the very first guys to put multi-compound on the map. And it has this great combination of rubber and cord. And so the upper portion of that grip is going to be the cord. That's going to give you a little bit of a firmer, tackier feel. And then the rubber on the bottom to, again, just give you a little bit of a softer, a little bit of a softer feel on, the, on that bottom part of the hand. And that grip is is the perfect all-weather grip, which is saying something because when you look at the weather conditions, Gene, from last week at Augusta, I, I don't know if there's really a better grip that you could have used than, than the multi-compound just because it has that all-weather control and the firm feel, and that's what you need. I mean, those guys, yes, we talk all the time about the club head and the shaft. They want those grips to be extra tacky and to not slip in their hands. The last thing they want to do is have to change grip pressure when it's raining or when it's humid. They, they want a grip that's going to be able to perform and that they don't have to think about. So that's what you're going to get with golf, with golf prize, multi-compound grip. As I mentioned, it is ROM's grip of choice, and it's definitely one to check out. And if you want to go check out the rest of golf prides, grip options, go to golfpride.com and use promo code fully equipped for 20% off your order. All right. That was, I, I just, I want to give you a little grading there. You were good, oh, but gosh. you were no RB. I got to tell you that. I'm so. no RB. Listen, Gene, <laughs> I, I don't have the great transitions that RB does. I, I have no RB. It's been, a, it's been a hot minute since I've actually done an ad read. I've just left those to RB. He started to run with them and I'm like, hmm, no, that's, this, that's new guy, this new guy's pretty good at these ad reads. I'm just going to let him take them and, I'm, you know, I'm, make, I'm make just, him what he wants. I'm just happy that was never put on my plate because I just make chimp noises for 30 seconds. So you know, <laughs> there would be that it just it wouldn't it wouldn't work well. I'm 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 more like a jazz you know riffer and not the actual focused reading. My my brain doesn't work that way. So well well played well played. My goodness, yeah. Anyway, no no RB, but I but I do the best that I can. Um. Anyway, you, you know, and I hate. I hate doing this because I've never been this kind of person, but I'm going to, I'm going to toot our own golf.com gear horn a little bit because we do something different than any other outlet out there, which is we conduct unbiased robotic testing and we do it. We do it with a third party with, with, with golf, with, with Gene, we do it with Gene, <laughs> with golf laboratories, you know, that's the thing is, you know, others have done robotic testing, but the robot, that robotic testing has been conducted using a robot from manufacturer. And I've never really said this before, but it always makes me wonder when you, when you find out that they're doing, and they're using your robot gene, but again, they're using that robot through a manufacturer. It just, it always makes me go, hmm, I don't really know if that's totally unbiased, but you know, proceed. But we've, we've been doing some great testing over at golf.com. We released our robotic driver testing 
with the release of our club tests for 2023. And recently, if you've been checking out the website, you might've noticed that we've been slowly releasing a lot of our fairway wood insights. And that's not just the only thing we're gonna be doing. We've gotten a couple of people that have asked me, hey, is it just gonna be drivers and fairways this year? No, Gene is working on hybrids. We're working on iron robotic testing. We're gonna do wedges, which Gene had to kind of talk me into. But it's certainly something that I see value in. We should be doing robotic testing for all the clubs. And the reason being is it gives us a lot of really valuable insights that we're able to share with golfers. Because the one question that I get more than any other is, hey, here's my miss. What club should I be using? And for the most part, I tell people, I, I can't give you an answer. I've never seen you swing. Don't know your numbers. Uh, you know, go get with a fitter. And a lot of people kind of grumble and, and then say, okay, fine, I'll go look for a fitter. But that's really the best option I can give you. Now with our robotic testing, at least we can provide people with a little bit of what I like to call a gear roadmap. It, it provides you with some options. So you basically say, I, I struggle with, you know, too low of a launch. I need a higher launching fairway wood in this case. I struggle with hitting it off the toe. What, which of these fairway woods is good for a high toe miss? And we're able to provide you with options that you can then say, okay, I, I like these brands. They're ranked in the you know top five, which is what we what we highlighted, five clubs for each one of these subcategories. And then you go and test it with a club fitter. And I think that that's the benefit. I mean, Gene, what what did you see? I'm I'm always curious because you're the guy running the robot. What what stood out to you from our fairway wood testing this year? Well, you know, first off, to you know, fluff you a little bit more, um, you you do a really nice job of synthesizing a mountain of data and then more importantly showing how that data is relative to the average player the amateur player but i mean it's it's what we're doing with this is what tour players do what amateurs should do is you you nailed it we're we're providing a roadmap. And when you get with a good fitter and you spin the ball too much or you don't spin the ball enough or you hit the ball to the left or you hit the ball to the right, suddenly we've got options for you because we've tested the entirety of the top brands and know what their performance characteristics are. And I, I, like you, I consume a lot of golf media content and see a lot of quote unquote reviews and it's some flat belly swinging 120 miles an hour and hits one driver and then hits another and then babbles on for 10 minutes about it. And I tune out after about two or three minutes because it's complete. Um, it's completely subjective to that player's swing. And number two, they don't have the consistency or the accuracy to really do a deep dive. We have, let me just see here. We did 21 different fairway woods i mean that is and you know from and some brands people have never even heard of no i mean yeah uh, haywood yes. as an example which is a, a direct to consumer brand when people were asking me what is what is haywood right and so i mean you're right not not to cut you off but we we try to get all the brands from from the the blue bloods as i like to call them the the major oems all the way down to the the haywoods and the tour edges of the world but, you know, just just to, like, give you some ranges, because this is kind of cool. So um, everything was set at, um, let me see, 93 miles an hour. So basically, it was the same swing, the same 95-mile-an-hour swing we do for the drivers. We set everything up the same, the same energy in the robot, and the robot swings a fairway wood about a mile and a half slower than uh, a driver. And that's that's what humans do as well. Now, here's where it just gets interesting. Let's just start with ball speed. Our low ball speed was 133 miles an hour. Our high ball speed was 139 miles an hour. So six miles an hour difference in ball speed alone. As far as launch angle, our low was 14 degrees. Our high was 17.3. And as far as spin, our low was 32.73 and our high was 56.83. You combine these, 
you've got about 25 to 30 yards differential based on going to the extremes. That is massive. And, you know, yeah, a lot of, uh, you know, kind of what holds true. Like if you look at the lowest spinning, there are um, some of the lower launching, but kind of interesting, like the Cobra Aerojet Max, it had one of the highest launching at 17.3. But it was in the, I'm going to say, just ballpark upper third or lower third, I should say, for spin at 41.58. So it was a lower spinning uh, fairway wood with a really high launch, which, you know, was interesting. Um, But, you know, in your analysis and the way that, you know, you listed these and I'm just looking, I'm not even looking at off center hit drop off, off center hit direction we have a treasure trove of data to pick from and to provide uh, listeners, viewers, et cetera, with incredible amounts of information that you simply can't get anywhere else. And it's, it's really fun to work with you on this and to, and to kind of create these um, test protocols because both of us have the same objective. We're not doing this for research and development. We're doing it simply to be able to provide information that I think is definitely needed. And consumers, golf consumers of media are thirsty for this. And being able to provide this will allow them, and let's face it, golf clubs aren't cheap anymore with inflation. So let's make the right call or at least get you into the top three or four that are that that are that are going to help you by looking at this data by reading your articles um by consuming the media golf.com you're really going to get a leg up at least to be able to go in and go hey i want to try driver x driver y and driver z or the same thing with fairway woods yeah you nailed it and and that's what we're going for that's why we don't pick a a quote-unquote winner or, or try and hand out any sort of any sort of particip- participation trophies, because at the end of the day, you know, I I realize. I mean, people have, were asking also why why do you pick five? Why why five? Why not three? Three is probably more common. You know, gold, silver, silver, bronze. It's just because I realize that you know I don't want to give ten because that's it starts to get too long. But five usually gives you an option. You should be able to find a. a a company in there that you connect with. It's maybe it's something that you've tried in the past. Maybe it's something you have in the bag right now, but it gives you options. And that's what we're going for is, I mean, if you look at like, for example, um, you know, let's look at dispersion. And, and this is what we took the, the carry distance from geometric center. And we compared it to the carry distance for the high toe and the low heel. The, the club with the tightest overall dispersion was the Cobra Aerojet at 4.4 yards of distance drop-off. If you go all the way down to like the fifth best, it was, it was 4.9. I mean, if you, if you think about it, I mean, it's, it's within the noise gene. Yeah. And I I only, I point, I point that out because it then allows you to pick the best option for your game and not feel like you're having to sacrifice anything. And that's what you'll notice is, is there wasn't a huge, there's not a huge Delta in a lot of these, a lot of these subcategories that I was highlighting. Like, you know, example, for example, uh, high launch is another one. Uh, the Aerojet max had the highest launch at 17.3. But if you go all the way down to the, you know, fifth highest launch, it's the tailor made stealth two at 16.4. So, there's, it's, it's not like you have a really difficult decision. You still have a lot of really great options inside that top five. And I think that's the one thing that I noticed this year, Gene, more than anything else is there are a lot of really good fairway woods out there. And we just, we just tested for, for people that didn't read the articles. We just tested three woods, 15 degree, three woods. So we're not testing, you know, five woods and seven woods and, and like the full complement. We're just keeping it you know, as close to an apples to apples comparison as you can. 15 degree three wood from all these different manufacturers. Um, but it was just, th- it was just that we saw a bunch of brands on there. It wasn't, you know, I always worry whenever we highlight 
the top five in a specific category, whether that be low heel or high toe misses or ball speed or high launch, what, what have you. I'm always worried that we're going to end up with the same cast of characters. But if you scroll down on the article on golf.com, there are a bunch of different brands represented, including one that I'm going to, I'm going to be honest here and they they don't, they don't sponsor anything on golf.com. So this isn't me banging the drum for them because I have to, but tour edge gene, Tour Edge Fairway Woods are are really freaking good. They yeah, they that's that's because the, that's because they've got like forty models. That's why. <laughs> well, they, they they do have a lot of models, but you know if you no, look no, on, no, if you no. look on the in, Champions in fairness, Tour, in fairness to them, they you know their their strength. To be honest, they've always been a kind woods. of as a fairway yeah. company. Yeah, you know? Tour Edge Exotics for those for those that know the the Exotics brand from Tour Edge. It is. It has a cult following. It's used, especially by a lot of guys on the Champions Tour, and they just kill it with fairway woods. And if you look down a lot of these, a lot of these categories, they had one of the top five in tightest overall dispersion. They led the way in in lo, in the low heel in high or high toe and low heel. They were well represented. They had the the best. In high toe misses, the two edge C five twenty three. Then you you know it's again it just you keep scrolling and if you notice it it's like okay they had the tops in uh, high toe they had the best in the exotic C seven twenty three for low heel misses they they just have a really good complement of fairway woods this year and I think that's great because people constantly complain well you're just highlighting the big the big name brands no we're not Haywood's on there two edge is on there. Wilson's on there. So, I mean, what does that tell you? It, it Again, it shows you that there are a lot of great products out there. And regardless of what your your miss, your strengths, or your weaknesses, or your, or your miss is, you're going to find, you know, three, four, five really good options for your needs that you're going to then be able to go and test with the club fitter. And that's all we're trying to do. No, I think um, between that and the drivers, and we actually were – testing the uh, seven irons today. So we're going to have a big batch, uh, another big data batch dump, but it's a, uh, it's a roadmap and it's a roadmap that you simply can't get anywhere else. And um, it's uh, you know, it's, it, it, it's fun to be able to share because simply um, I, I have the same pat answer that you do. And it's when people ask me, what's the best club? I said, there is no best club. There's the best club for you. And to be, you know, totally frank, robot testing only gets you so far in that you've got to like the look of it when you're standing over it. You've got to like the way it sounds. You've got to like the way it feels. And a robot can't tell you those things. That's why I think five is a good selection is first off you go, well, I'd never play a tour edge or I don't like a Mizuno or, you know, or I'm only a Callaway guy or whatever your, you know, your bias is. Well, you've got a bigger selection to choose from then. And then your second selection is, well, do I like the way that sets up? Do I like the look of it? And then the third is, do I like the way it sounds? Because that's associated with feel. And then finally, do I like the ball flight? So as you, as you filter only having three is actually kind of limiting. Five, you do it naturally. We all do it with brands. We look at brands, we see brands, and then our eyes kind of, you know, self-select or filter. So I think I think five actually is a better number than three because you will either consciously or subconsciously self-select to get you to probably one or two that you'll eventually test and, you know, find out which one you want to purchase. So if you want to go find all those robotic insights for our 2023 fairway woods, go check it out on golf.com. As I mentioned, Gene's already getting going on hybrids and irons. So we'll have that robotic data. And I kind of like it like this, you know, I would, I think it would have been too much at once if we would have tried to get it all done and released for January club test. And when you release it slowly, it keeps a lot of that data front of mind as you're buying because golfers aren't just buying clubs in January or February. You know, we're now getting into golf season for a lot of places, especially the Northeast and the the cooler areas of the country. 
they're now getting ready to play golf. They're now looking at new gear. So as we start to release these, I think it's just going to give you again, a roadmap, a roadmap for some clubs that might be worth testing and heck maybe even purchasing. So again, go check it out on golf.com. All right. Well, I was going to mention TaylorMade's new My Symbol program. It's a new My Symbol golf ball program. Totally custom golf balls. It's a really cool program, but I want to save it for next week because we also have an interview with Mike Fox, who heads up golf ball over at TaylorMade. So we're going to save the discussion and the interview for next week. And the only reason we're doing that is because we have an interview with Joe Toulon and Kellen Watson, two of Callaway's top tour reps on the PGA Tour. And they had a chance to sit down with RB to do a extensive deep dive through the bag of Mr. John Rahm, your master's champion. It is a really fun interview, especially if you like to nerd out on gear and specs. Enjoy it. All right. So I'd like to welcome to the Fully Equipped Podcast, Kellen Watson and Joe Toulon. I'll let you guys do your own titles because I always seem to mess them up, but uh, let you guys introduce yourself. Uh, so I'm Joe Toulon, PJ Tour Manager for Callaway Golf. And I am Kellen Watson, Senior Player Development Representative for Callaway Golf. Awesome. So we are here. Uh, we're at the RBC Heritage. We're in the, the lovely air-conditioned van that you guys have, which is very nice. Lovely. Um, yeah. But the um, the one thing I want to talk about, you know, people might at home might have known. Um, we just had a pretty big week at Augusta uh, last week with John Rom. But what I think kind of gets forgotten, obviously, is he had the Augusta sweep with yeah, Rose. Right. So Rose started it off uh, at the Anwa Augusta National Women's Amateur. Um, obviously, the first two days were incredible uh, for her, um, and then you know got a little shaky down the stretch, but closed it out in the playoff there. Um, but it was just so great to see. I mean, she's an unbelievable player, obviously, as we all know, probably the most decorated, uh, you know, women's amateur player of all time, uh, if not getting close to that. Um, but she got the week, uh, started off in a big way for, for Callaway and Paradigm Driver and the whole deal. So, um, we were pretty excited about that and we had a little bit of momentum going into Masters Week. Yeah, and I mean... It's crazy to think, too, like, I think that it, uh, everyone's, a lot of people talk about it as, like, John Ford put it the first hole, and he and he still won by quite a few shots, and he had the bad side of the draw. Like that, that man was striking his golf ball very well, and a lot of it does come down to the driver which he tweaked, he tweaked heading into the week. Can you can you touch on that and 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 really what he what you guys did to help him kind of be able to hit that shot? Because we see we saw him hit, uh, you know, more of that draw, which is not really his go-to shot off the tee, a little bit more around around Augusta National. Well, he's uh, well with the draw on thirteen. I, he's always had that in the bag, um, and I, I think he's always been able to do that with the driver. But uh, with the tweak that we did, we did that um, the Monday afternoon of the Players Championship. Um, I kind of just wanted to uh, address the driver after a couple, you know, not so great rounds in his mind. Um, so all we did was just kind of, we added a degree of loft to the driver and not, not, not a different driver altogether, but just on our cog system, just went from that neutral standard position that he's always been into kind of a plus one setting. And he's not very sensitive to, he's not very sensitive to face angle. And even for a, a cutter of the ball, face angle pointing, just maybe just a touch left is not bad because he wants to start it there anyway. Uh, but increased spin probably two to 300 RPMs on stock shot, which made it a little bit easier to just hit that nice little, you know, bleeder. So, uh, and then hit the, the hard cut when he wants to and much easier to hit the draw when he wants to. Um, but that draws, I mean, I'm see, I've seen him do it so many times that, I mean, he usually doesn't need it, but I think he hits one of the most beautiful draws just you don't see it a lot so yeah and how how do you go about using data for that uh i always i always find like it's interesting how much i think you know real stats go into helping a player look at that and hit that shot right because or not just that shot but like generally like throughout their bag right like you can look at stats and say okay let's work on this part of your golf bag because there's definitely a gap here if we look at your proximity to hole and those kind of things right yeah so it was uh, the previous week, uh, we had done a couple things after 
we talked back and forth after his win at Riviera, um, and then going into uh, Arnold Palmer, he went. He was in Florida prior to that, uh, playing in the Seminole Pro member, and that's when he worked with Dave Phillips. Sent me a screenshot of uh, the data on full swing monitor, and it still looked like the like on his stock shot down there. Uh, it was still a little bit low in launch, but the spin was good. Um, but that kind of like ticked in my head that the launch was just a touch lower than what it's used to be. And to that, you know, to that text message that he sent me, I said, you know, I mean, that looks a little bit low. And he's like, well, it's into the wind. And I was like, whatever, it doesn't matter. You know, I'll just keep that in the back of my head going forward. So uh, statistically. Yeah, I would say, I mean, we analyze and track all sorts of stats off the tee. Um, that's that's a huge part of what we do. And obviously, you know, to start the year, he was so hot um, winning three times. And a lot of times you just look at that and you go, well, let's not tweak anything because obviously it's working. But to be honest with you, I mean, he was winning in spite of, of the driver in some cases. He's he's obviously he's number one uh, strokes getting off the tee last year, and he dipped a little bit this year. Still in a really good spot, but for him it wasn't up to his standard. So um, we analyzed stats. We saw, uh, you know, shot link data. We saw, you know, the, the strokes gain off the tee number going down. So we're like, okay, we, we know the spin is a little on the low side. And especially for him, wants to hit that kind of hard cut. And we need that spin to, to help it stay in the air and cut. And, you know, the Paradigm Driver has been so – it's so forgiving. It's so high MOI that it, it actually doesn't really want to move that much. So what we found for him is we needed to add a little bit more spin so he could hit that power cut. Um, and, you know, we picked up on that all throughout, you know, the West Coast and into uh, – you know, covering his wins and his three wins. And we saw, we, we just thought, you know, we can make this better. He, he's winning, but not driving at his best. And I think, uh, you know, Kellen was right on top of that. And, and he knew what needed to be done to the cog setting. And, and knowing that he's okay seeing the face angle be a little bit more left because Kellen knew that would give him the proper window and the shot shape. But not a lot of player reps would have the guts to kind of go to the number one player in the world and say, I think we need to make this change to make you an even better uh, driver of the golf ball. And obviously, you know, that was players week. And since then, you know, we walked a few holes with them in practice rounds and we started to see this cut coming back to where he could just rip at it and he knows it's going to cut the, the right amount. And obviously we saw that happen, you know, all week long at Augusta um, and to where he's, he's back feeling like he's got the driver in a really good spot. And obviously we know what he can do with the rest of his game with his uh, approach and his putting is, is improved. So I, I don't know if we've, we've quite seen the best of what he can be, which is kind of scary to think about. Yeah. And it comes, it, it talks to his kind of, uh, it kind of talks to his humility too, uh, as a person, because he, he is the, he, he's probably the last person that would blame anything on the equipment. Yeah. He would just say, it's on him, it's on him, it's on him. And then you kind of have to, it's almost, it was almost forceful for me to say, well, let's just tweak this, see what happens and go from there. And now everything's in a good, in a good place. That's cool. Um, and I think it goes to like, for people listening out there, like, you know, spin, spin management is, is really important because a lot of people, I hear it all the time. I get questions about it and it's like, I need to lower spin. I need to lower driver spin. I need to lower driver spin. It's like, listen, if you get if you get your driver spin too low on a good shot, if you miss hit a shot, you're going to lose massive amounts of carry. And so there is that management part of it that you, you know, if you're if you have a certain type of shot. And I saw some players today who who are some draw players, and of all the clubs they were testing, it was a different driver from a different company, but they're hitting a draw model, and it's like. Why? And it's like, well, you know, it's a driver that's designed to offer more spin. And, you know, in the, in the case of, you know, John, he's got a driver that works very well. How can you just adjust the systems that are built into this golf club to hit it better? And that's what I tell people all the time. Like, the golf club comes with a wrench. Like, don't be afraid to, to use it and tweak it. And you can always put it back. You don't have to glue anything. You don't have to pull any shafts. It's literally a couple clicks and you can dial something in better, just to, whether it be a start window in John's case or, you know, trying to find a, a certain spin window. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I don't. I, I think I don't. I, I don't know what you've heard from, but I think just like the common consumer is, like it's always going to be high launch, low spin. And I mean, spin, especially off the tee, is is just uh, a huge friend of yours. You know, the yeah. more you can spin it, the better it's going to be. You might sacrifice some distance, but you're not going to 
I mean, you're not going to be in the right rough or the left rough too. And that's, you know, to take a page out of their book, you know, a tight hole around here on any of these courses um, that's relatively long or maybe, you know, in that middle part, par four-ish length, there's a lot of three woods because the three wood spins more, you can control it. So yeah. uh, spin is always your friend off the tee. And then, and so that kind of plays into like you know the other part of his golf bag, which I think is kind of I don't think you've ever really, ever really like had deep been able to talk like deep dive into it, but like he has very unique fairy woods, and that's because deeper face hitting down on it is that kind of his thing. Is that why he has those those unique kind of John Rom fairy woods, or what? What would be the reason for that? It's uh, well, it was uh, when when he was with his previous uh, OEM, the one the the fairy woods he had were kind of a certain depth, certain face height. Uh, we wanted to kind of mimic that. Um, and I think we did a really, really good job of doing that. Um, I had the chance to hit one out at uh, ECPC one time. I was I was out there during the paradigm testing. I was wandering around that room with all the stuff in it. It has some cool gear for all the, like, you know, all the testing purposes and fitting purposes. And it's it was cool because I think like to be able to hit like just first of all it looks cool. It definitely doesn't fit me. And I think that's an important thing to tell consumers <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. that like there's a reason why something like that John Rom has. But consumers, on the other hand, get adjustable fairy woods, which to me, just like the driver, gives more opportunity to dial in because even hybrids again now, right? You guys have that with the line, which I think is so critical for have it be even slightly adjusting line angle, right? Or, you know, adding that little bit of loft or opening the face or closing the face because those little tweaks to your point, right, can make a huge difference. Yeah. And you guys brought that back with the with the adjustable fairy woods, which I think yeah. is really neat. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it, it, it helps. Uh, I mean, I think that it, the average player, the average consumer of golf clubs can tinker with their equipment just like we would tinker with these guys' equipment. Yeah. So I think it's, I think it's a huge, it's a huge help to just the average player to, you know, find what's right. Yeah. I've had people ask like, oh, you know, like I read somewhere like a player had their fairy wood bent flat and blah, blah, blah and all this stuff. I'm like, you buy an adjustable fairy wood, you get that. Like you don't need, like, yes, there's a reason for that. But there's also a reason why they put different cars on F1 cars, right? like different tires on F1 cars, right? Like yeah. it's a very different mechanism that they're trying to achieve, right? So um, how about, I guess, you know, short game obviously is a big one. Um, he uses the the TCB irons, which has been very popular for you guys. I see a ton of them out on tour. Got a lot of pictures of Akshay's today. Which are great. We're gonna we'll probably probably see an article on that pretty soon on the site, if not already up when this goes up. But did he make any tweaks for his wedges going in, or was he someone who he likes his bounce angles, he likes the grinds, he just he's very comfortable with that playing at Augusta? Uh, I I actually had a chat with one of uh, another journalist that you may know before, <laughs> and he asked about tweaks. Uh, we literally haven't changed anything since. Uh, January of 2021, when he came on board, we have not changed a lie angle. We've changed one lie angle, and that was on the 60-degree wedge. We moved it a degree more upright because when he was chipping, it, it he was using a better part of that bounce on the bottom of the, okay. of the wedge. And that's that has been it. We haven't changed a thing. He hasn't yeah. changed a thing. I mean, there, are, there are definitely some players who like to play around with bounces and grinds and all this kind of stuff on different turf, turf conditions, and he's not one of them. He just kind of he knows what the wedge is going to do, and he can adjust. Uh, you know, he's got really, really good hands, so he he knows what to expect from them in in all different turf conditions. So um, that's really been a pretty easy thing for us um, to keep him the same and just make sure he's got fresh grooves when he wants them, and that's basically all we do. Yeah, I think. So I feel like in some cases, consumers think that everyone changed all the time. You know, we write about it, we talk about it, but there are a lot of players that have something they use, they use it for the versatility, mm -hmm. right? They stick with that grind and then they just, you know, and they figure it out, right? Like in, in reality, that's, that is what they... And that's, that's true. That's very true with John. When he finds something he likes, it stays with him for a long time. Uh, I think we all know and it's pretty well documented about the driver shaft that he's had since yeah. college, I think it is. Yeah, I mean, when, when we have new drivers that come out, we remove the shaft variable because we know what the shaft's going to be. So he's when he finds something he likes with the shaft, or whether it's the wedges um, or putter, he tends to stick with it for a long time. Now, there's there's like a, uh, you know, some of our other guys will 
take Xander, for example, will have kind of like his arsenal that he brings every week. And it might be, you know, you're using 14 clubs, but he might travel with 17 clubs. Yeah. And that just might be a different wedge depending on turf conditions or how sandy it is, how how uh, tight the the lies are, or it could be the seven word the seven wood versus that the twenty one degree utility. But that's every week he brings it with him every week. Uh, and John does the same thing with uh, the five wood or that uh, the two iron that he has yeah. in his bag. So those clubs come with them all all the time. There's really no tweaks to them. It's just bringing that arsenal and then heading to the first tee playing the practice round. Okay, this is the setup we need this week. Yeah. So, uh, and you see, you see a lot of uh, you see a lot of the much better players kind of do that. There's really not much going on week to week, other yeah. than probably grips, lofts, and lies, and some fresh wedges. But uh, they they really don't. Nothing changes over the probably the course of the year. Yeah, that's really that's that's interesting. I know, like I was kind of again. I I do bring, I try and bring it back to the consumer when they're looking at stuff, right? And I think you know, similar to you talked about you know, being able to carry extra clubs. And someone might not have an extra club, they're going to carry like a lot of extra wedges. But again, it kind of comes back to that adjustability with like, oh, you know, my home club, I have this this one hole, but you know, the five was a little long. Maybe we'll just like add some loft or take some loft off or those kind of things, which I always I think is important just for golfers to understand that you don't have to you know, go to your local next member guest and bring 17 clubs and try and figure it out. You can. We encourage it. <laughs> it works well for everybody. Yeah, I think the best thing for just like the guy that plays the same course all the time at home, set yeah. your bag up for that. Forget it. And that's it. Yeah. And if you travel somewhere, yeah, obviously it might be a little bit different. But yeah, I mean, if you're going to play the same the same golf course, you know, pretty much every week, just fit your bag to that course and. It's going to be yep. a lot easier from a, from an extremely selfish perspective. Um, I haven't played a lot of golf this year because up in Canada, you know, it's a little colder yet. We're kind of just tweaking into golf season. I've and, played one time, and I'm, I know uh, I'm headed to to Scotland in a couple of weeks. Uh -huh. So uh -huh. I've been like, I, all I've been doing is Sick hitting rag. hitting hitting golf balls in my garage, just trying to figure out what the heck I'm going to bring. I'm like, oh, should I should I change driver? Should I change driver? I'm like, do you have a simulator or just a net? Uh, just a net. So okay, so how's the ball flight? Yeah, short. <laughs> everything everything yeah. everything flies eight feet and hits the concrete so um now the other thing too and this is i know there was a lot of experimentation when he came on board with uh two ball and different inserts and all kinds of stuff when it comes to putters joe and mm -hmm. you know i asked you earlier i was kind of hanging out around here and I, yeah. I asked like once he found a shape he stuck to it which is really like very interesting and it's it's um it's the rossi with the like a slant neck would yep. you guys call a slant neck slant or neck, slant yep. neck? okay yep. um well, let's talk about that insert because I think it's um, it's it, he's he's one of a few players that use it, but it's a little firmer, right? Is that yeah. the idea of what, to kind of match with his his preferred feel? Correct. Yeah. So I mean, when he first came on, you alluded to it, but um, you know, we fit him into a two ball ten and a face balance one with a white hot insert. That's an insert that he's been comfortable with. I mean, he used something similar in college, and he used a two ball in college, a face balance one as well. So there's definitely some nostalgia going into that but we obviously tested a lot of different putters and slant necks and things like that um so out of the gates the two ball was the the best fit uh for what his stroke was doing at the time now i think he would be the first to tell you that he wasn't stroking at his best so it was kind of we were trying to hit a moving target a little bit at first uh but once he kind of started feeling comfortable with what his stroke was doing it, it sort of we evolved the, the putter to match that and it it first went to a slant neck then it went to a different shape and then we kind of settled on this insert to give him the the kind of speed and the and the impact ratio that he wanted off of the putter and we just did that through you know hitting a lot of putts outside and making sure like you know he, he knew the speed of the greens but then he knew how how far he expected that ball to roll out to to get to that um so we kind of matched a feel at impact but then also you know we talk about windows all the time when we're fitting different golf clubs but putters really are the same thing when you hit a putt and you look up you expect to see the ball on a certain uh distance down the, your line yeah when you look at it needs to be in that window and if it's not there's an adjustment period that needs to take place and we'd rather not have to do that because you've got natural feels so we we worked through that process and, and found that this this micro hinge star insert gave him the the speed that he needed off of the face and obviously the distance control because of that um and it also promotes a, a better role on the golf ball so um those kind of factors that was kind of the evolution of him ending up into that 
white hot OG Rossi with that insert. Yeah. Think that was when we kind of started messing around with um, slant necks and different inserts. Yeah. He, I mean, he well, he didn't have it for too long and then won the US Open. Correct. Like it was he's he had it for I wouldn't say a full season at that point even really like yeah um, and yeah and three weeks. Yeah, it was pretty soon after he put that putter in play um, yeah. that he won the U.S. Open. And it was just one of those things that, uh, you know, we had obviously made a bunch of putters for him. He said, yeah, send him home. I like to, you know, putt in my little uh, putting la or putting green at home uh, with different things. And so, you know, we were kind of getting to the point where, okay, we know slant next, the right fit. We tried it on a two-ball 10 first with that insert. Uh, and something still was not quite synced up with uh, with what he was feeling. The, the CG of the two-ball 10 is a little bit further back. With the yeah. Rossi, it's a little bit further forward. So he was able to control the face and feel the face rotate a little bit easier for him. Um, and so he had that putter at home, one of the ones that we had worked with previously, and uh, you know, texted him during that off week, and he kind of goes, you know, this one's feeling good. And just a soft, round shape, um, which fits nicely to his eye. He's not really a linear person, so I wasn't surprised yeah. that a round shape ended up kind of being what he likes. So, um, you know, kind of the rest is history with that one. And it's it's kind of like the um, the 5K as well, right? Like if you think of the blades, yep. you have a center of gravity that's very close to the face, but yep. you have a lot of forgiveness, right? And for Correct. consumers to try and figure out where that, that fits, yeah. because I think we talk so much about center of gravity of drivers and fairy woods and, and irons and all that stuff, but like the feel of like what it means to ro feel like to rotate the face and feel mm -hmm. that, that face closure rate, all mm -hmm. those things factor into what a player experiences from their perspective. And then getting those numbers talking impact ratio and speed and, and um, kind of like ball speed windows. And you, you guys have a really cool advantage. We're sitting on your truck. Yeah. You guys travel with Quintic yeah. in your truck, yeah. um, which allows you to really help players dial it in, which, you know, I, th I think I've seen it one time, I, th I might. I think it was you guys had it on like the green. Yeah. But I also understand like you got a, a very very expensive camera system, high speed camera system. You got a computer. You got all this stuff. It's not something that's easy to just take to a putting green and try and find a level surface and set up. Yeah. But for your players, you have that opportunity to just say, "Hey, come in. Let's sit. Let's get on one of these systems. I fit with one of these like one of the Quintics before. Yeah. It's amazing how much information you get out of it and how much for the consumer who's looking for this kind of stuff like how that's helpful like, i know fitting studios a lot of fitting studios have it high-end places have it yep. but you guys have that week to week how beneficial is that it's been huge i think um you know we weren't quite sure how guys would uh you know kind of grow accustomed to that because you know obviously not not a ton of guys have have gone through the quintic putter fitting system which uh, i always find crazy i know because it's like uh, you know it's getting more know, and more yeah. as the years go on so um as guys got comfortable with it and getting on it you know, there are so many different things that we can look at and we kind of can pick and choose what we want to show the player or what the player wants to see. Uh, but we have 10 guys a week come through and it's just for various different things, whether it's a full on putter fitting and they want to go find something that fits them to a T or if they want to test different alignment aids on the, on the same putter to see if it's affecting their aim or if they want to try different hosels to see how they're releasing it, see what their start line is. We can look at all those different things in kind of a controlled environment in here uh, and make changes very very quickly we have all you know we can build up a putter here in five minutes and have it ready you built to go. a few today you're busy we were we were busy today <laughs> it's odyssey season you know, that's that's how we celebrate yeah. um <laughs> but uh we uh i mean more and more guys are using it every week and uh, uh the latest one was uh chris kirk came in at valero and he had a left aim bias that was kind of getting more extreme as, as weeks went on obviously he putted well at honda and so in that kind of three week period it it kind of changed a little bit to where he was aiming, you know, three at three and a half degrees left and developing more of a push bias. And uh, so we were able to see that, get him a putter. Um, it was a tri-hot Rossi that got him to aim a little bit better, but also delivered the putter face a little bit closer to where he has or where he should be. Uh, we checked it again, kind of a check-in this week with him today. And he was about just over a degree left and delivering it, you know, close to half a degree uh, better, more online. So, um it's a really cool thing. I mean, obviously we use it a lot when guys are struggling. We can look at launch angle, make sure the ball's rolling well, but we can also, you know, analyze guys' stroke when they're putting well. And we know kind of what the blueprint looks like, where they need to be when they're feeling feeling their best. So it's it's one of those things that, you know, we have a lot of different putter technologies that we feel give the player a huge advantage, and now we can show them that advantage right in front of their face. I've, I've always kind of said to people when, like, you know, 
the consumer doesn't have the opportunity to like go get fit all the time, right? So, yep. you know, sometimes the player is getting fit for what they they brought that day, right? But from a lesson perspective, I always try and tell people like, look, if you are going to work with a coach, go and you like you're hitting it well mm-hmm. and establish a baseline with a launch monitor and those like any or whatever launch monitor you're using. Yeah. Because once you have a baseline, you know what you can work back towards, and I think that is that is a a big takeaway for players, right? Like if you're working with someone that's really like putting well you have their numbers on there and it's easy to go back and showcase that or to the point you made about, you know, only showing players certain numbers. Yeah. Do you ever do that with a track man or probably at this point or like a launch other launch monitors that you're using? Because I can know from a fitting experience, there are times when you have all these data parameters and in reality, I'm just going to show the golfer that's being fit. Here are the three things you need to know and this is what we're going to work on and I'll deal with the rest of it. Yeah. That's what we, uh, uh, one of our, uh, golf ball engineers inside Nick Yance, um, he, uh, has access to my trackman uh, login. He has access to Johnny's trackman login, Jacob's, th- uh, Dean's. He, I mean, he compiles all this information and kind of, he doesn't, the, this spreadsheet he's got is just the amount of historical data he's got on each one of our guys. So, I mean, you can look back with our, with, with our statistics guy that we have and, and all the stats that we accumulate you can also look back at the data of you know this swing in 2017 you know this is when he was driving at his best and boom you compare that with the 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 trackman numbers that we have for that year week whatever and that's we need to go back to that that's when you were driving your best this is why so we have all that right and some of the you know take for example like sam and xander and john is like the parameters that we know with their driver stuff is, is this is what we need to get to. It's almost yeah. like ingrained in your head that, you know, John's going to be 10 to 10 and a half or 11, 24 to 2,500 launch it. It's just, it's, that's ingrained in my head every so, week. So speaking so. to that, I know, uh, I'll tee up cause I know you guys, you gotta have a story about this cause not, not the paradigm, but when John tested the rogue, the rogue ST, yeah. he was like a robot out there. Wasn't he? Was there like the testing was session? Like, uh, he was like, Joe was there. I was like, maybe took, uh, brought two heads out with us, and it's happened every year. Uh, you know, the first year at Epic Speed, it was driver number one. I put a number one in the hosel in the silver sharpie, second head number two, and it always ends up being the second head with the number one shaft. And then it, it, the backup is always the number two shaft with the number one head. And that fitting with the Rogue took 16 minutes. That's, yeah. I mean, maybe it's kind of what it always has been. And it's the spin dispersion that, that he puts on. And, um, that was truly amazing. I mean, from shot to shot, it just doesn't really, there's no variance really in the spin. Right. And it's just so consistent. And Kellen said it, he's, it's a robot. And I know his caddy, Adam Hayes talks a lot about watching him play video game golf. Yeah. It's kind of what it looks like. Um, standing behind him, fitting him for a driver. It's like, okay, this is, this is pretty easy. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the hardest thing about, like end of the season, he never turns it off. So it's just like pure ball striking from Jan 1 to December 31st. So when we do our stuff December, prior to him going to Tournament of Champions, which he will continue to go. Um, Is he gonna be there this week? He, this he, he will be there next year, yeah. And it's not a, I mean, it's not really that fun of a tournament for us to go to. It's terrible views. You know, bad food. Weather's uh, bad. Every ter- yeah. no, no one wants get to a little bit windy. Hawaii in January. Yeah, yeah. Hawaii, sweetie, I gotta yeah. go to yeah. Hawaii for twelve days. Yeah, the fresh yeah. tuna. You know, the poke gets a little bit old after the 85th time I've eaten it. Um, but it's it's yeah, it's always like a it's a ball striking display. It's just and and the funniest thing is is like the hardest thing to get him to do is to hit the hit the second head with the second shaft. Yeah, to get like a legitimate backup. He's, he's like, just, "This is good. I'm good." And yeah, he's like, "No, I'm no, good, I'm good. Just, yeah, we, we just, gotta hit we the other one. More, please? Just make sure the other one's good, so I can give that shaft to Adam. I can give that head to Adam, and he carries it with him every week. So that's like it's 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 that quick. It's it's incredible. Now, obviously, like he said before, we have kind of advantage with him never wanting to change that driver shaft, and for us having you know the iterations of the stuff that we do have. Uh, and the guys at Mitsubishi Aldola have been very gracious to us in, in <laughs> making more. Um, so that's been huge. It's yeah. been huge. Uh, and I, if you could document it, if you, you wanted to come this December, I don't know if 
I don't know. It's just it's it's fun to watch. It'd be a short video though. Very short video. <laughs> That's yeah, all very right. short video. But uh, all right. I, I mean the way he doesn't. It's just never turned off in his head, and I mean that says something about him. He's he's a very competitive person, never wants to lose, and it, you know he's gonna work, 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 and to get to that point. So that's it's it's great. Yeah, and he did he did it at Augusta. And guys, I really appreciate your time. I know it's yeah. been a it's been a long day and you know busy few weeks, and you know kind of never ends out here. But I I appreciate it. And uh, to everyone who's listening, I hope you enjoyed. Uh, thanks, guys. Thank thanks, you for Ryan. your time. Appreciate thanks. And thanks again to Joe and Kellen for the time. As always, if you want more gear news, check us out on social media. We are at Fully Underscore Equipped on Twitter and at Fully Equipped Golf on Instagram. That'll do it for episode 185 of Fully Equipped. We're getting really close, Gene, to episode 200. Wow. We're 15 away. Wow. That is just insane when I think about where this podcast has come from. Well, I'm, 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 I'm just a young and I've only been on for a little over a year. So <laughs> you've, you know, been, you've been, you've been here for a bunch of them. Bunch I've, of my only, favorite I've only, I've only got about 60 of those. So, you know, you're, you're, you're the wily veteran on this, uh, on this front. You, you, you've been through many iterations of this pod. I was going to say, I was, I was on this podcast before it was even called fully equipped, but as always, I appreciate everybody listening to the pod and we'll see you next week.